This podcast is produced and managed by Kangaroo Fern Media Lab, Australia's independent video and podcast company. We do the podcasting hard bits so you don't have to. We make podcasts easy. Book a call at www.kangaroofern.com. www.kangaroofern.com. This podcast is produced and managed by Kangaroo Fern Media Lab, Australia's independent video and podcast company. We do the podcasting hard bits so you don't have to. We make podcasts easy. Book a call at www.kangaroofern.com. www.kangaroofern.com. A Gorilla Podcast Syndicate Production. Samutsari Conversation with Mimi to connect with other women who may need someone to talk to around everyday life issues and challenges, from managing career and household to inner productivity, relationships, and other hot topics. Samutsari Conversation with Mimi. Hi, and welcome again to Samutsari Conversations with Mimi. This is your host, Mimi Lerilia, welcoming you to another episode where we feature topics of interest, obviously, to everyone, both men and women alike. And we also talk to guests, if we do have guests, and uh, discuss with them their passion, their talent, or their profession, or anything about uh, them that really interests them. So here at Samutsari, we share stories to inspire you, stories from ordinary people who make ordinary things extraordinary. So today's episode, we'll talk about my seven top tips on increasing your chances of immigrating abroad or overseas. To the country of your choice but that will be based on my experience moving from philippines to new zealand and from new zealand to australia because i do believe that i will have um you know some nuggets of wisdom to share with you i have those uh, experiences already and this episode is a follow-up episode on the one that i did recently with a guest noel bautista from wellington because there were some messages that were sent to me asking me uh, how did I do it or how did Noel do it. So I'm just going to give you some of the main things that I remember. And obviously, I'm not an immigration specialist or an immigration advisor. So everything that I'm going to share with you today is just based on my personal experience and my experience of helping other people who were in need, who obviously had... um, Uh, some issues around their uh, application and their planning. So my purpose is to just offer them a lending hand. So I'm sharing with you now those tips um, and hopefully you learn something new. Okay, so let's get started. Okay, so here are my seven tips to improve your chances of immigrating to another country. First tip, okay, first tip, tip number one is 
know the visa type. I'm sure that a lot of you know this, but for those who are still confused, what is a visa? What is a visa type? This is what you need to really, really nail it before you apply or think about applying because the type of visa that you will use will make or break your application. For example, are you there to work? So is the primary reason for you thinking of moving to another country is to shift your professional career in that new place of, of work. So is it for work purposes? Number two, do you really want to become an immigrant or a permanent resident and eventually apply for citizenship? So you have to consider pathway-based permanent residence. Then the other type of visa is student visa. Obviously, you are just going to that country to study and not to do anything else. Um, and the other reason why you have to choose carefully is because different visas have different restrictions or different visas have different um, legal obligations. So those legal observations are what you can or cannot do. So make sure that you really know this by heart. The other type of visa is the partner visa. So do you have a husband or a wife or a fiance or a partner? legal partner that is already in that country and would want you to move in with them. So this is most probably the visa that applies to you. And the last type of visa is the family visa. Do you have a mother, father, uh, grandparents, or a grandparent, a brother, sister, um, someone in your family that is already there and will be sponsoring you through the family stream? that is another type of visa that you can use. However, just a tip for the family visa, some countries don't offer this anymore, okay? So double check in the immigration website of the country of your choice whether family stream is available or if not, then you have to look for another visa. So those are the different visa pathways that I'm thinking of. I don't know if there are any new ones, but these are the most common ones. So double check that and make sure that you're applying for the right type of visa. Next, let's look at your qualifications. So in terms of qualifications, this is like amalgamation of all the skills that you have and all the qualifications that you have. So when you say qualifications, those must be the formal educational attainment or courses or degrees that you already have. Skills are the ones that you obviously have on the basis of your work experience. So the first thing to know is what is in demand. For example, you want to go to Australia and you have a specific skill that may not be very highly in demand in Australia, so you might not be prioritized. But if you work in the medical profession, for example, you are a nurse, a midwife, or somebody that works in the medical industry, in the allied health, for example, occupational therapist, physical therapist, radiologist, um, you know, to name a few, that might be a profession that is more in demand in this country. So make sure that you also do your research and know what is in demand and whether your skills and qualifications align with what is in demand. Now, the problem is, okay, my skills and qualifications are very solid, but they are not as in demand as the others. 
well, there's still a chance for you to apply. However, it's not going to be prioritized as opposed to the other skills. So like I said, do your research, know what is in demand, and make sure that even if you put there, you want to be a nurse in Australia, for example, but your skills are are not in demand, I mean, not aligned with the profession that you are nominating, which is being a nurse, then it will also not be uh, seen as a, a logical profession for you to nominate because your skills are not aligned with the field. So if you want to become a nurse here in Australia, then obviously wherever you're coming from, you need to be taking courses already or taking a degree to enable you to closely match the requirements of being a nurse. Or if you are indeed um, a nurse already, then make sure you do the next step register your qualifications or accrediting it with the proper authority okay for example you are a nurse in the philippines but your qualifications in the philippines is not yet recognized here in australia you have to have it accredited to make sure that your skills and experiences and your degree in the philippines matches the standards they call it the standards here in australia so not because you're a nurse there means you automatically become a nurse in Australia. Like in my experience, I used to be a teacher in a university, so that has always been um, my uh, role or that's always been my job as part of the academe. So when I moved to New Zealand, I didn't automatically become a professor, professor in a university as well. I have to have my skills, my degrees matched up with the qualifications of the teachers that are already in New Zealand okay so again this might seem overwhelming or this might seem a bit um, confusing at this time so if you have any questions about this you can email me later on I'll show you my email address so that you can obviously ask me more questions or you can do further research along this topic so keep that in mind like what you hear so far make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now this podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now, back to the show. Okay, next tip, nominated profession and CV. Okay, so most of the time when you apply for immigration to another country, it is based on a points system. So the point system is based on your age, it's based on your profession, it's based on your experience, it's based on your IELTS score, it's based on your, um, you know, the, the things that you've done in the past, your degrees, etc, etc. So each country has its own, um, its own point system. It can be 200 points, 160 points, it could maybe even be 300 points. I'm not really familiar with the points now, but definitely there is a point system. So research and be familiar with that and the another, another related but important thing to um, note is your nominated profession should be aligned to the skills and experience i've already discussed that a while ago but your cv should be updated as well because i remember when i was interviewed by my case officer as part of the application process for immigrating to new zealand they really nitpicked my skills and experience whether i'm telling the truth and my CV has to also reflect that. So I had to weed out. Weeding out means remove the things that are not going to help me um, become a strong, solid candidate for the 
dominated profession and experience and skills that I have. So even if I have a lot of experiences in other things, but if it doesn't have anything to do with my nominated profession, which is a teacher, then it should not be in my CV. So for purposes of applying um, in, in this scenario, your CV should be updated to solidly reflect who you are as a candidate. So the other thing is proof or evidence of employment and experience. What does that mean? You need to have your official bachelor's degree diploma, master's degree, PhD, uh, qualifying degree, or any other certificates that prove that you have the skills and experience related to the job that you are nominated for. Okay, so that means if you need some employment certificates from your previous employers and your current employer, you have to start collecting those evidence. They call that evidence. Any proof that you can show that you've actually done it um, needs to be prepared. And sometimes you cannot ask for a original copy. So make sure you ask for a certified copy of the original. But most of the time, they will ask for original. So if you can ask for three original copies, that's fine. You keep one for yourself and then you can distribute the two other ones depending on who needs it. But what I did during my time is I gathered all the original of everything in relation to my job and then I had it notarized or certified through copies. So I only have to submit the certified copies and I can keep the original for myself. Now, the next tip that I think is the very first tip, most important thing that you need to consider which is the financial considerations. Okay, so what do I mean by financial consideration? Number one, do you have the money to pay for the fees? So obviously when you apply to Im immigrate abroad, you need to have an application fee. Uh, sometimes it's what they call non-refundable, meaning whether or not you succeed in your application, they would not return to you those fees, okay? Sometimes, they ask you one-time fee, but a big fee. Sometimes they ask you for staggered fees. So fees for only part of it, you pay. Once you're successful, you go to the next step, you pay more fees. Once you're successful again in that next step, you pay an additional fee. So that's what happened to me. I didn't have to pay for all of it all in one time, but it was a staggered payment. But I did save a lot to ensure that when they ask for the money, I already have that money ready to give to them. Number two, if you ha are hiring an agent, an immigration agent to help you process your application, do you have the money to pay for the fees? Or if you are um, hired by a recruiter or through a recruiter or through an agency to assist in your work uh, visa, do you have the money to pay for the agency fees? Sometimes they say no upfront fees, but once you get to your destination, that's the time they ask for the fees. That's what happened to my husband when he applied as well. And then, do you have the money to pay for those legal documents, certification through copy of the original, your police checks, your birth certificates, and everything else? Make sure that you can also uh, set aside some of your personal funds for this. I don't know what any other fees that you have to pay, but again, through your research in the websites of the relevant um, countries, immigration websites of the country that you want to apply to, you can check what the other um, fees are necessary for you to prepare for. Now, the other thing, 
which is again everything about financial i'm really so passionate about this because it has been my experience as well do you have at least three to six months of living expenses for example if you compute your food your electricity your board and lodging your internet connection your utilities water um you know and everything else um do you have enough money to survive while looking for a job while trying to settle down uh, whether you bring your family or not so if for your for yourself if for example if you will um, spend one thousand dollars for yourself a month how much more if you bring your family so that's one thousand dollars per person so if there are five of you do you have five thousand dollars a month to survive while you're trying to look for a job while you're trying to get settled well while you pay for the roof over your head and and um, with your kids are schooling to pay for their school. So if at all possible, have a buffer of three to six months of living expenses. But if you can save for at least a year, so you are relaxed, you're not pressured, where do you get the money from while, while you are trying to settle down in this new country to work or study or, or live permanently, you have to consider that as well and then the other thing is travel documents or proof of airfare i know at this time people can travel due to the travel restrictions all over the world but if you're thinking of moving now is still the time to save up for that move so once everything is ready and you can travel you already have enough money for your airfare in my experience as part of the application process my case officer asked me for a validated ticket which is maybe a return ticket or a one-way ticket it, it, again it depends on the country so that means you have to pay this straight away and show the receipt or proof of payment so if this is the case do you have that money to book a flight as part of the application process and then finally do you have enough funds in the bank or do you have enough assets in your list to prove to the um, immigration officer that if you run out of money you have this money in the bank as a fallback or you have this amount of money for your living expenses this is what i talk about you have enough money to, to stay and sometimes the case officers will ask you for your um, bank statements to prove that you will not be a burden in that country because you have enough money to survive you have somewhere to get your living expenses from so what i did and what my husband did we had to borrow money from our family from our parents and from our in-laws put it together show it to the um, immigration officer that we have this amount of money but of course we didn't touch that because after we got approval we returned the money to the people that we owed it to so that's kind of like a show money we don't really have that much money we have some money but not enough to show or to prove to the case officer. We, so we had to uh, borrow uh, for our time being. We put it in a time deposit so we don't um, accidentally um, <laughs> so we don't accidentally um, spend it, and then we returned it when everything was okay. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. Now another tip. Or another consideration if you're planning to move overseas is whether to use an agent or not okay so how do you know if you will use an agent or not number one is money again do you have the money to pay for the agent <laughs> like i said a while ago 
if you don't have the money to pay for an agent, you have to do it yourself. Okay, but related to that is your personal circumstance. Is your application kind of easy? Is your application kind or um, kind of straightforward, or is it complicated? So when you say complicated, your your personal circumstance, your job, your your family situation is not easy, and you cannot just complete the documents easily. As opposed to somebody who has no issues, solid background, have enough money, strong skills, and it is in demand, and they have everything ready. So that's an easy application. They can do it online. But if you need the help of an expert, professional migration agent to sort out the complicatedness of your situation, then you don't have a choice. You have to pay for an agent. So you have to prepare, set aside some money for that. And then the other thing is, are you online ready? So some people can really do it themselves. They can easily navigate the online app application process. And they have all the documents uh, ready to upload, all the PDFs, uh, all notarized, and, and it's not going to be a problem for them. So what I I did the same thing. I was online ready. I made sure that I prepared everything. So I, all I needed to do was to ju just download everything. But for some people, it's not an easy thing. The, the immigration website sometimes is confusing. There are things that they are asking you which you're not familiar with. You're not sure what to click. You're not sure if you have to say yes or no. Sometimes you don't know which choice in the menu, if they have a drop-down menu to select. So in cases like this, you may need somebody to assist you with that. So because of this, again, to use an agent or not is based on those top three considerations. And then finally, my last tip is research, research, research. So why is research important? Because if you don't do your research, you might be wasting money. You might be wasting on things that you should not be paying for when you can save on that. You might be wasting your time applying for that country when you know that deep in your heart you might not be as successful because you're you're not as strong as a candidate as opposed to if you consider another country which might be in demand of your skill you might really have a better chance of, of migrating there but it's not your preferred choice so those are the debates that you have to really weigh up before you hit the submit button and and start the application process you have to do your research where do you want to go and would you be better off in that country or not, okay? So should you have uh, a preference of a country, are you able to sh change your mind or are you able to shift your priorities or choices? Are you flexible to change your circumstance? You also have to um, think about that. And you also have to know what is life like in the country of your dreams. So every time people ask me, what is, what is it like in New Zealand? Is it really boring there? Is it really um, more cows than more cows and sheep than people? Uh, is it really uh, very cold? So again, um, it's easy for us to give you what our insights are because we, we've actually lived there. But the thing is that that's us. It's not necessarily the same as what your preferences are. So if you don't like to live in a cold country uh, and you prefer to be somewhere warm, so don't go to a place where the winters are really harsh. 
if you're looking for um, busy lifestyle, I don't think New Zealand is the place for you because it's relatively quiet there. But if you're after peace and quiet, and that's okay. If you are very far away from your neighbors, then go ahead and do it. But if you're wanting some sort of city life, bustling life, a busy life, then you should really look um, at places where the city life offers you more opportunities. Um, and then obviously you have to ask other people about their experiences. Some people have succeeded. I've helped people in New Zealand that have succeeded and they are now permanent residents or uh, citizens of New Zealand. Some people have not been lucky. We tried to help other people before, but for some reason they did not get the job that they wanted or there was a family problem or there was a health problem or situation in the Philippines has had changed and they had to go back to their families overseas. So different points in different people's lives change and make the decisions that they make also change. So all the effort that they've um, gone through and all the money that they have spent going to New Zealand down the drain because they didn't succeed. So when they, you ask them the question, they say, oh, that my experience is not good. So you will only hear the horror stories from them. So I suggest you weigh up those stories. So look for good news stories and success stories and also think about those people who have not been um, successful as well because maybe you will learn something from their experience that you should not repeat maybe they've done something that isn't right along the way so um, in that way you will be able to um, evade if not avoid those kinds of situations and then finally finally ask yourself the question why why am I moving overseas? Why do I want to study abroad? Why do I want to live abroad? Why do I want to work abroad? Is the change of the country going to do good for you? Do you really believe it in your heart that that is the, the future for you? Or are you better off staying where you are because of family reasons, work reasons, not COVID reasons, where obviously we can't travel now or can't do much, but when the time comes that the restrictions are lifted then maybe that's the perfect time for you to start your application but ask yourself why so i have my own reasons why and my husband has his own reasons why but we pulled together our reasons and we found that it was strong enough to make a decision the decision of our lives which is to move overseas so moving abroad moving overseas leaving or or studying or working overseas is not for everyone so Obviously, if you have a lot of family back home and you will miss them, so is the missing them worth being apart from them? Can you really do that? Or would you rather be with them because a parent is sick or you're, you're looking after uh, another family member? So those things you have to weigh. But if you want to say, I want this for my future, to have a better life for myself. I want this for my family. I want this for my children. Uh, I'm getting sick in this uh, i'm allergic to this and i need to move another country i don't know the, you there are so many reasons why you will you will move but at the end of the day if you have um the willpower the commitment and the energy and the finances to propel you so these are what you call the the enablers and the drivers if if you have this system in systems in place to help you with your move then why not so at the end of the day, really, it's up to you to decide what is the best um, 
course of action for you? What is the best pathway for you? So I hope that you have enjoyed the seven top tips that I have shared with you to help you increase your chances of moving overseas or immigrating. And I hope that um, you learned some things new based on my experience. So if you've never considered it, but now you are um, really seriously thinking about moving abroad, then I suggest you start by the last question in my slide a while ago, which is ask yourself your why, and then go back to um, the different aspects of applying for a job. So I'm doing this as a um, follow-up to a recent interview I had with Noel Bautista of Wellington, New Zealand, because I have received a lot of um, inquiries about how to move overseas and what is life like in New Zealand. Um, maybe what is life like in New Zealand will be a topic for another um, Samosari episode, but for now, those are some of the tips that I'd like to share. I hope you like it and I hope you learned something. So if you have any other stories or topics that you wish to feature in the show, please reach out to me via mimi at dinosocial.com. Please email me at mimi at dinosocial.com. And guys, I would like to tell you that Samosari is a proud member of the Gorilla Podcast Syndicate, which is, um, you know, both, both in Australia and in, in the Philippines, but the audience is worldwide. So no matter where you are, morning, evening, afternoon, you can listen to my shows because they are also on YouTube. So if you want to connect with me, uh, ask me a question, you have suggestions for topics, please uh, reach out via my DinoSocial um, Facebook page or through my Twitter account. And please do not forget to like and subscribe to Samutsari Conversations with Mimi and to the other shows of the Gorilla Podcast Network. And please also click the subscribe and the bell button on YouTube to be notified of all the weekly videos that I, um, you know, drop in to your um, inbox. And uh, that will be another opportunity for us to get together to Samutsari. And also, last plugging. So, I'm not only in YouTube, but Samutsari is also available through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Google Podcasts, Nature, Castro, Breaker, um, and CastBox. So, there are many, many other podcast uh, streaming services where you can listen to this show, courtesy of Gorilla Podcast Syndicate. So, this is Mimi again, once again saying goodbye. And uh, until the next episode of Samutsari Conversation. Have a great day. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or via RSS. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. And if you want to know more, check out www.guerillapodcast.com.au or guerillapodcast.com.ph. A Guerilla Podcast Syndicate Production.
We are Independent Podcast Network. We are Guerrilla Podcast Syndicate. Would you like to hear your brand while supporting quality podcasts? Contact us now at advertise at guerrillapodcastsyndicate.com. Are you ready to finally start your own podcast? Maybe you already have one, but need a podcast manager to help you level up. We're here for either. Book a call at www.kangaroofern.com www.kangaroofern.com